Welcome to On the Flip Side, a podcast where two 30-something entrepreneurs break down Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This is episode number five, Seek First to Understand and Then to be Understood. I actually want to start by introducing ourselves today. Again, for new listeners, my name is Lindsay, and I'm the principal at LRH Events. And I'm Amanda, and I am the CEO of Command Prompt, which is an open source consulting firm. And I actually also want to start, really, with something pretty wholesome today, and that is our dear friendship. So Amanda and I were actually introduced to each other, like, what, three or four years ago now? And we were introduced as professional contacts. Not long after that, we ended up actually working together when I came on board at Command Prompt. And right away, and I correct me if I'm wrong here, if this wasn't your experience, but I felt like right away, there was sort of a natural friendship there that, that doesn't happen frequently between adults. I would agree with that. And one of my first recollections of our friendship would be you telling me I didn't know professional relationships could be like this. Yeah. And it it was so flattering, too, because I try really hard with my professional relationships to have a deeper connection than just, you know, you go to your nine to five and then you go home. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I deeply care about most of my team. And uh, so for you to say that it was it was a true sign that we were meant to be together. I mean, truly <laughs> don't tell our husbands um, and we'll just bank that they're not listening right now, but they're not. (laughs) (laughs) If they're not, they're in trouble. But I, I go back to the fact that there was this natural element and as with many things in the seven habits of highly effective people, I didn't have a language to describe what that natural bit was um, what made it feel so organic? And it's that I think that we, both of us, naturally practice, seek first to understand and then be understood. So one of the things that we organically did really well is listening, like actively and empathetically listening so that we never really heard ourselves jumping to conclusions. We're not prescribing before we diagnose And, you know, I think a lot about how, you know, we're taught to read and write and speak as children, but there is no listening class. Um, There is, Mm. there's no formal education around listening other than use your listening ears and listen to your parents. And I think understanding the theory of really, truly, deeply listening is a really, really valuable thing when it comes to both professional and personal personal relationships. Um, And this kind of gets us back to our circle of influence. So, uh, and I love this line from Kobe, unless you're influenced by my uniqueness, I'm not going to be influenced by your advice, which means, you know, it's not one size fits all. It's (laughs) advice and responses need to be tailored to the person. And another thing, and we'll get into this, that Kobe says is is the flip side of that, which is being influenced by you is dangerous for me. So 
true listening takes a great deal of security because you got to be able to open yourself up to be influenced. Um, by doing that, you become pretty vulnerable. But the reality is that in order to have influence, you have to be open to being influenced. And that means you have to really understand. So I'm a visual person. So I'm just sitting here thinking a lot about the snake eating its tail. Before we get too, too deep in though, I think we should probably start with the basics, which are the four types or the four levels of listening. Oh, there's my favorite, which is ignoring. (laughs) (laughs) So ignoring um, is not something that we actively do in our relationship, but it is something that I think as relationships age, as you grow together, you often grow apart and you grow to a point where whether it's professional or personal, you almost assume that you know what the other person is going to say, what they mean. And so your brain starts to ignore them. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't think it's necessarily done intentionally. I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of occasions where it is intentional, right? Somebody says something and you just don't want to hear it. So you shut down, Mm -hmm. but it can often occur in, um, positive relationships, right? Where in, um, a romantic or a personal relationship where it's just, you have been talking or (laughs) have been talked to for so long that you believe, you know, what's going to be said. So you're like, I'm going to go think about something else that's more interesting right now. Or I'm going to think about how I'm going to respond instead of genuinely listening to what that person is saying. Most likely because in a long-term relationship of any kind, you've heard a lot of the same things over and over Mm -hmm. again. And it's really easy to just take a step into your own psyche almost and essentially take a step away from that person who's talking to you. It's interesting that you list or you cited thinking about your own response while someone was talking as ignoring, because in a lot of ways, I think it's something that all of us do at one point or another. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've met someone and forgotten their name instantly because I was preparing myself to make a good first impression. Mm-hmm. But But that is a type of ignoring. If you're not fully into it, then you're kind of out of it. So it's my two cents. And it's it's a hard position to be in, right? Uh, Because you often are thinking about something else and all of a sudden somebody says something or somebody introduces somebody else and you're trying to pay attention to one thing and we've gotten to this point where we have so much input all the time, whether it's from other people or from, you know, social media, our phones, um, advertising, television, it's just, it's everywhere. And so it's almost a, uh, like a mental check to shut yourself down so that you don't get overwhelmed. Um, and that, you know, often turns into selective listening, which would be when you are, you know, you hear parts of it, and then the other part of you is still somewhere else. Hmm. So an example of this, I, I would say that on the whole, in our friendship, we are really, really good at not ignoring each other because it's just not conducive. But I do think that we both have our moments when, when things fall on deaf ears. You know, I, 
I think about command prompt uses the platform Redmine to keep track of everything that's going on, to track the to-dos, the tickets, the everything. And because I'm a little bit of a one-woman machine in command prompt land, I don't, I don't find it that useful, but it is how the company functions. So I think sometimes when Amanda's like, update your red mine, not because I'm necessarily being a roadblock for someone else, but because I don't find it useful, but then she doesn't know what I'm doing over here in New York. And her assumptions are usually right that I'm just sitting around eating bonbons. Yeah. And, <laughs> and drinking wine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I feel like that's something that in the few years that we've been working together, I have had to learn to acknowledge that I do and also learn to counteract because I still don't find Redmine all that helpful, but I also understand that you do. So I need, it's important for me um, as half this relationship to continue to try to be better with it. And one of the things that you mentioned just this morning is that because you know how you function and how you keep yourself accountable, you don't always know how everybody else does that, right? You don't know how um, I track what I'm going to do. And so when you're working with somebody else, you need to make sure that they're tracking their tasks in a way that makes sense, um, in a way that you know that it's going to get done and not accidentally be forgotten or ignored, right? And so it brings us back to, you know, selectively listening, but then turning that into attentive listening, which you and I do a lot, which is, you know, as day-to-day -day work wives and, you know, consistent chatter of making sure that the other person is aware of where we're at and, um, what's next and what we need from the other person, right? Really trying to understand where that person is coming from and how do we move forward successfully so that both parties are being listened to. Yeah. In, in the strangest way the other day, I, I spent all day feeling like I was forgetting something or missing something or something was off. You know what I'm going to say? And it was a day <laughs> where you were offline. And I am so accustomed to keeping my chat with Amanda up on, you know, uh, in the background all day. And I would say 75% of it's work related uh, and 25% of it is just, it's almost like white noise. And if, for anybody who sleeps with a white noise machine, you know that you don't realize it when it's there, but when it's not there, like your ears are ringing. So... Yeah, mm -hmm. I, and I, I didn't realize that what we were doing with that was actively practicing attentive listening until we were trying to come up with examples of ignoring selective and attentive, because that's exactly what that is. It's, it is just the, the most important white noise of my day. <laughs> Thank you, I think. You're welcome, I think. <laughs> And while attentive listening is, it's essential and it's really getting in the mind of the other person. And um, one of the things that I often find myself talking to my team about is uh, when a client comes in with a request, instead of getting started on it immediately is what, what we really need to do is rewrite in our own 
interpretation of what the client is asking for, the expectations, and send that back to the client and ask them to confirm that we understood correctly. Because a lot of the time in writing, especially in email, in, in text, you don't get the full nuance. You only get part of it. And so while attentive listening is getting into that mindset and, and confirming with the other party that you're understanding right, empathetic listening is taking it to a whole new level and um, it's going to be a big part of what we talk about this episode. The goal of empathetic listening is to really get inside another person's frame of reference. You know, understand their paradigms and understand how they feel. And for a professional environment, sometimes this is a harder ask. Um, but for some people, it is absolutely essential to who they are, like Lindsay here. Um, I'm pretty sure going back a few episodes... Empathy was one of my two funeral words. And I think maybe I'm good at it because it's important to me, but maybe it's important to me because I'm good at it. So, you know, it can, it can really cut both ways, but this is something that frankly, I feel like should be taught in schools. I think going back to who teaches you how to listen and, and really truly listen because the goal should always be to make people he feel heard and valued. And, and I really don't know if there's any other way to do this other than empathetic listening. Question I have, though, is what is the difference between empathetic listening and probing? Yeah, um, I think that's a good question. Um, I feel like a lot of times when someone's speaking to you and you're responding with questions that feels like empathetic listening on your end, at least, because you're engaging with the, what the other person's saying. I think the easiest way to sort of differentiate the two for me is that when you're probing, you're, what you're really doing is pushing for information um, for whatever reason. Maybe it's self-serving, maybe it's uh, not. But either way, you're not necessarily following the other person's lead or, or purposely respecting their boundaries. I, I think that keeping those boundaries in mind at all times is, is super useful for this skill. And I think when it comes to empathetic listening, really what you're doing is following the other person's lead. You are taking in what they say, you are thinking before you respond, and you're also thinking about when you respond, which gets us back to diagnosis versus prescription. So Kobe has this great uh, analogy in the book of this guy goes to the ophthalmologist and says, I can't see anything. And the ophthalmologist takes off his glasses, hands it to the guy and said, here, these have worked for me for years. And the patient's like, this is making it all worse. And the ophthalmologist is like, but it's worked for me forever. And really what that's doing is prescribing before mm. you even look into the problem, which in this case is someone's eyesight. It's not one size fits all. I really love that example because it brings it, it brings it into a perspective that we all understand. And the, the really hard part about empathy 
is that we we so often get back to, you know, a couple of chapters ago where we respond reactively. Somebody says something and whether it triggers something or not, we just automatically respond. You know, when you were talking about us listening being about really respecting the boundaries of the other person, but also being there for them and not probing. It brings me back to this feeling of, you know, I genuinely care. And so I'll ask questions because a lot of times what we tend to forget is that people as a whole just want to be heard. It's, it's the second most important thing that we need. And the first thing being yeah. physical safety, right? The second being we need a, to allow psychological air. We need to be heard. We need to be felt. And so it's, it's complicated though, because with empathetic listening, you can come off as probing if you're doing it wrong. Right. And so there's, there's a fine line. And if we add our automatic responses and we don't even realize we're using them, we're not listening empathetically, right? We are just responding and, and we care, but especially in a professional world where a lot of times we are taught that we don't have time for empathetic listening. We're there to do a job. It's a fine balance. And somehow, you know, you are really good at empathetic listening. And you, you think that this is the most important piece of yeah. you know, the seven habits. Yeah, I, I do. I think, I mean, it, it, go, it goes back to like the childhood bit for me. I think if more adults listened empathetically, we would have a lot fewer problems across the board. I think if the seven habits are built, first three habits uh, are built on dependence, they lead to a private victory, which leads to independence, the second three lead to interdependence. And I think if, if you were to, from the beginning, listen with empathy, if you were to seek to understand before you seek to be understood, that would almost negate the need for the first three or four habits because you would already be thinking win-win. You would already be thinking, you know, beginning with the end in mind. You would already be putting first things first just inherently because you are seeking to understand at a very basic level. While I don't disagree with you, <laughs> I kind of disagree with you. <laughs> And the, and the reason is, I think, along the same vein, though, it's the first several habits um, are really about independence and are really about developing your own grounding, knowing what parts of you define you versus what parts of you have been predisposed and conditioned by your environment and by other people's opinions and boundary setting, right? If you do not have the first three habits under your belt and you haven't taken that time, I feel like you're going to automatically respond without having your own back, essentially. Like really not being able to respond in a way 
that is beneficial for both of you because you don't really know what's beneficial for you. You know what's beneficial mm-hmm. for everything that's been told to you. But what about mm-hmm. you? What does your soul need? I guess where I'm coming from, and I'm and I'm not trying to discredit the first habits at all. I think they're super important. But correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm going to tell you your argument back from my own words. Really, what I hear you saying is that you have to know who you are. You have to unscript yourself from everything you've been taught and told you are up to that point in order to seek first to understand and then to be understood. Is that correct? I think from a, if you're taking it as an adult and you are starting from where you're at in life. So I guess my point is, What if we, as adults, didn't script children in the way that we always have? What if we listened empathetically to them like we like we also should other adults and by proxy didn't script them? I mean, I feel like up until, you know, habit four of Think Win Win in the last episode, really what Covey's been saying in the first three habits is you got a ball of yarn. You are a ball of yarn and you're all knotted up. Let's unknot you so that you can be turned into something useful, beautiful, decorative, whatever. So you can be turned into something greater. I just don't think the knot would be that big or that complex if we started from a place, inherently started from a place of empathetic listening. Oh, I can't argue with that. Great. So I win. (laughs) (laughs) Think win-win, my dear. Win-win. That's something we also do really well. I feel like I'm just tooting our collective horn this whole episode, but that right there, which was not scripted, I think we do a really good job of listening and learning. I'm sure you've picked up on it at this point, listeners, Amanda and I don't necessarily agree on a lot of things. And in fact, I think one of the great joys of our relationship is that we can use the same logic to get to two completely different answers, but answer all the questions the same (laughs) along the way. And I know Amanda's not going to agree with me at least half the time, but the goal isn't getting her to agree with me. It's not to teach her it's to learn from her by being able to disagree like that. I feel like really we're just bettering ourselves and each other, you know, and being influenced. Right. And, and one thing that I, I think a lot of times we tend to get into our head is that being influenced by other people is a bad thing, but if it challenges our opinions in a way that enables us to think about something in somebody else's shoes, but also in a different way than we typically would, because it's not our so-called scripts, right? It's, It's more engaging and empathetic and, uh, 
and it, it's just a great exercise. And often when we listen empathetically, we are influenced. And that's, you know, one of the things that you were saying at the beginning is that we, we are opening ourselves up to be influenced and to danger, right? But if we do so from a grounded position, right, not a reactive one, not one that is based in uh, other people's opinions, then we can get to a place where we are open to other opinions and open to having our definition of whatever it is, success or whatnot, challenged in, in a good way to the point where we can accept that as a new reality for ourselves. And that's how you have discourse in a relationship when, you know, <laughs> you don't always agree. Um... Kobe says most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Um, so powerful. So powerful. We agree on that. Uh, and really what you're <laughs> doing in that case is offering solutions before you understand the problem. And frankly, this is, this is one of my biggest pet peeves, both personally and professionally. I think... If you are, don't ask me a question only to correct my response or reject it. Um, because at that level, you are not only making me feel small um, and like what I say doesn't matter, but you also probably don't have the full story. You probably don't have everything you need in order to make an educated recommendation or decision or even response. So one of the things that I think a lot about and truly was one of the things that drove me to start my own little events firm um, was that I have worked with so many technically brilliant people, people who can architect databases from scratch, who can sit down and have like, incredibly deep theoretical conversations about things that I, I can't even begin to piece together in my mind. Um, and frequently those people would hire me to do their events work. And, you know, they would say, this is what we want to do. And I would say, okay, so then here's how I propose we do it. And here's why and all that. And then suddenly, upon seeing my proposal, this, you know, brilliant CTO, data architect, whomever, this technical person is an events expert. And they're telling me how best to do whatever it is I need to do. Um, and I, I always found that interesting because it was like, what, what was the point of hiring me? What was the point of asking me to do this thing? And while I genuinely believe in retrospect that they did want me to do it and they did want my proposal, they were unable to get past selective listening, that maybe they would be able to apply attentive listening here and there, but there was nothing empathetic or human um, about the way they were listening. So I don't know. I, I, think, I think a lot about when it comes to offering solutions before understanding the problem or methodology folks that have no experience in something, but still still tell you how to do it. It genuinely blows my mind. I don't understand 
I don't understand how you can operate that. Well, I mean, with the click of a button, you can be a so-called expert on anything. With a click these of days. a button, you can also be a duke or a duchess. Right? <laughs> Fair, but it's it's like communication is extremely valued mm-hmm. in theory, but not necessarily in practice. Do you actually think that? Communication is hard. Communication, in a lot of ways, is the hardest thing that we do. Being fully communicative and clear about your needs and what you're going through, professionally or personally, is vulnerable. And there are many people that associate Mm. vulnerability with weakness. I believe that there is a massive amount of strength in vulnerability and that it comes with it's not easy let's just put it that way it's it's not but using listening tactics to manipulate other people and and constantly being inundated with messaging that tells you that you can know everything and you can educate everybody else on all of those things it's not it's not putting the human first uh, and if we think that we are satisfied and that, you know, we're communicating well, but we're actually not, we're never going to genuinely be, be understood by somebody else, let alone, uh, have our, you know, our needs understood and be able to validate somebody else in our life. So really what you're saying is cannot be understood until you understand. You have to speak at some level the same language, whether literally or emotionally, as someone else in order to properly communicate and share ideas back and forth. It's very much a two-way street. Absolutely. Hmm. We have to slow down and be present. So... We've gotten this far, which you know, I don't have a clock in front of me, but I think is most of the way through this episode. Um, and we've talked a lot about seeking to understand, which, frankly, I think is what deserves to have most of the episode because it's the part that many of us fall down on the job of. But we haven't talked about the second half, which is seek to be understood. So seeking to understand requires consideration but seeking to be understood takes courage and according to Covey win-win requires a high degree of both so really seeking to be understood is just re-engineering the understanding part if I understand your point of view then I can better explain mine so that we're on the same page so in some ways Seeking to be understood is just the inside-out approach to communication. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> no, I was, I, I was seeking, I was thinking about how to be understood. You know, g- good communication is when we can present our ideas clearly, specifically, visually, and contextually with the understanding of other people's paradigms and concerns. And 
it really comes down to Kobe's definition of maturity, right? It's it's meeting the addressing the situation with consideration of the other person's point of view, uh, while also discussing clearly. Um, a lot of people, you know, sometimes my history included, when we think that we are communicating clearly, uh, but we are trying to save somebody from the true harshness of the situation, right? Like we we want to provide a corrective suggestion because the way that they're doing something is not effective um, or could be done better. We try to dance around the subject, right? We don't communicate as clearly as we should. And so we feel like we're protecting the other person, but in reality, mm. we are making things more muddled. And if we were to genuinely understand the person we would most often at least in my experience you would find a person who will ask you to just be honest with them and when you are honest uh it increases the credibility of your ideas so that when you turn around and you have something that you're presenting and you want their feedback on they will take that time and give you the credibility because you gave it to them first I'm back to imagining the snake in its tail. Oh, good. I was hoping you would follow up on that. I was lost. Oh, were you? Oh, I feel all so cyclical. The more <laughs> I invest in you, the more you invest in me, the more I understand you, the more you're understood by me. Like, it's it just seeking to understand feeds seeking to be understood. It'd be a better way to say that is seeking to understand facilitates being understood. And the more understood, the more you're able to understand the other person. I'm starting to feel a little bit like Dr. Seuss, but snake eating its tail. Everything feeds itself. As somebody who's often in the woods, often looking for snakes to make sure I and my uh, French gents don't get eaten, totally different uh, perspective there, but I really appreciate where you're going with this. <laughs> I think what you're saying is that when we, when we do the full cycle, when we see life through each other's eyes, when we are able to clearly communicate, we are able to inspire loyalty that goes well beyond one situation we're able to reach a win-win situation faster we're able to understand a problem from various different perspectives and be able to come to a resolution together and create synergy because it's a snake eating its tail situation and the thing about that is that whatever solution i might have may work whatever solution you may have may work but if we are really working smarter not harder which is interdependently understanding each other's solutions and sort of combining forces is going to be the thing that gets us to win-win, which is really the only outcome worth seeking. So, 
Well, I was going to ask, what's the uh, actual strategy for knowing you understand? Because listening with empathy enables the person that you're listening to to get to the solution that they're looking for on their own time and their own way. And when we try to intervene, when we try to prescribe, often it's more for our own benefit because we want the reward that we're seeking. Uh, and, and that can be self-gratification instead of genuinely seeking the other person's welfare. And seeking first to understand is all about seeking the other person's welfare so that when it comes down to it, they will seek our welfare and we will have a true win-win relationship. Um, and it takes time. It certainly does. But it takes a lot less time than if we were to have to back up and correct misunderstandings and to redo things and to live with unexpressed and unresolved problems. And like you said, if we were to, if we were to come together from a place of empathy instead of a place of just trying to get the job done, we would all find so much more fulfillment in life and be able to synergize which happens to be the topic of next week's chapter, where we will continue our chat about the seven habits of highly effective people. This is Lindsay and Amanda, and thank you for listening. <laughs> and have a great day wherever you happen to be.